What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. This is your host, Gavin. Coming back to you after three more points at home. We are 50% at home, three wins, three losses, zero draws. We are so damn inconsistent. We don't know what's going on at the moment. What we do know is that we're glad to be back. Obviously, we missed an episode last week. Uh, Obviously, we still put out content. I went ahead and did a rewatch of the New York Red Bulls game. I decided to do that before the game as I wanted to see how we coped with the Red Bulls press. If you don't want to watch the whole thing, I completely understand. I did also put the audio up if you don't want to listen to me ramble about the game. The too long didn't watch is basically I think we tested ourselves against the Red Bulls. And I think we failed the test. I think we tried to play our patterns of play. I think we put all our best players out. You know, we had um, yeah, we had Pato, we had Kara, we had Fah- like we had the the whole shebang out there. Urso started, even though that was his third start in a week. I think we tested ourselves, and I just think we failed. That was my take on it. Adam's here with me tonight. Adam, how are you doing? And what was your quick take on the Red Bulls game before we get into the Charlotte match? Uh, Red Bulls are really good. Their press is really hard to play against, and yeah, I, I mostly agree. Our pattern of play does not work against them. It's I think it's good that Preha tried it just to see, especially it's early in the season. You know, um, points are always at a premium, but not quite as much now as they will be later on. Um, got our asses kicked. Sometimes it happens, but you know, you'd rather have that happen now and you can figure it out later. Um, and there were some. Bits of promising pieces like Joao Moutinho is actually really, I won't say really good, but was decent against them. I, I think there were some promising bits of play wide that we could maybe use in our next matchup with that. Yeah, and also, I mean, just quickly, I think um, Oscar Pereja learned a lot out of that match, right? He had to. like i feel like i learned a lot just from watching that match on on systems of pressing and all that and 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 i learned a lot about our team oscar Pereira had to learn 20 million times more things than i learned just because he's that much smarter than me at soccer so so i I, it's easy to say now after a win against charlotte but i am happy he tested it um, and, and saw where we struggled big time. And I think we even saw maybe some of the just rewards out of that test. So we can get straight into the discussion here about Charlotte. In the first half, I feel, Adam, we pressed. Definitely we pressed uh, the midfield. And we were very direct. There wasn't a lot of pass it around the back, you know, the normal patterns of play we see build it up the right, shift it into the middle into Pereira, pass it through the middle, then try and get a through ball in or or, uh, something like that. It was very much win the ball in midfield, go direct, go straight at them, ball over the top, ball to the the left, out to Benji. You know, he beat Jalen Lindsay like two times, one or two times before he actually beat him again for the goal itself. So it was a very direct play. 
I think some of that does come back off the back of the New York Red Bulls um, inability to to play through a press. Uh, what did you think of our decision to go with those kind of tactics in uh, in this match? Obviously, it was the right decision. We um, even if it didn't quite look at at all times, Charlotte never had a chance in this game. Um, it, it was clearly just a quality difference between our attackers, um, even guys like Benji, who you might not think of as just that's quality, but Benji was just giving them fits. Uh, he was a really good fit for the style of the game. It's clear they don't quite have the chemistry yet. They're obviously expansion team first year. Everyone's playing with each other. It was, it was a good game to just, you know, go through them. And it was a very Mauricio Pereira heavy game in a very good way. He, he seems to really like when the ball's at his feet and he just has a split second to make a decision. He gets to make a pass and just go. And he gets, you know, he loves putting Benji in over the top, um, playing in Huan too. It was, um, yeah, it was great, great game plan against a team that really, if we're being honest, never had a chance. Yeah, at least not in that first half. I think we were pretty dominant in that first half. Uh, the tactics were really working. We probably, you know, Kara got in behind, although I think McCoon did a good job to kind of give him a little shove at the time when he probably would have wanted to shoot. Uh, and and then the angle got closed down. Uh, Pereira obviously hitting the post on that cross shot. Uh, I think we had another cl- a, a decent opportunity from Facundo Torres, but I think he just hit it over. Um, so, so yeah, we were definitely the dominant team in the first half and the tactics were, were just clearly working. Um, let's go ahead and move to, to a player who I think there's some interesting talking points for us to discuss. Um, and it's Juan, right? So I think he's the big takeaway from this match for, uh, but, but for me, there's a couple interesting things here. So first and foremost, he got his goal. He got, which is a great take, by the way, fantastic arrives onto the ball um bottom right corner with power very good uh, a reminder that he is a professional fo- soccer player who who on his day can have the same technique of freaking i don't know uh Maurizio Pereira that you would expect from him or then he also gets the assist on sprinting up the field off the corner which <laughs> not sure what Charlotte was thinking there that um, was hilarious <laughs> it really was i i don't i don't i don't get it um but it is what it is Shout out to Pereira for that touch, for that pass as well. Insane uh, pass there. Yeah, outside of the foot, perfectly. First weighted. time, just, and then Facundo Torres's run, just that's the stuff you expect, but you love to see it. So again, it was I think a lack of cohesion by Charlotte because Charlotte had one guy sprinting back. Actually, they originally had two, and once one guy, I think it was Fuchs and Ortiz. I could be wrong, or, or Makum and Ortiz. Makum kind of catches up with Juan almost. And then when he passes Ortiz, Ortiz drops off and just lets Faku run free when he like could have gotten the passing lane. It was, it was incredibly too easy. Uh, I mean, it was the end of the half. I wonder if he was just gassed, you know, like just likes it. I don't know if you watch, if you watch it again, it's like not that he absolutely would have got there, but he could have made it harder. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to go, go watch that. But yeah. So with Juan, um, I, I was happier with his performance than I have been this season. I think he got into more dangerous positions. I think he was, again, a little bit more direct with his play, 
I mean, right after he scores the goal, he goes up the pitch, gets, I think he either gets a tackle or he gets a, a, um, a ball recovery, instantly passes it forward, instantly sprints forward, like very direct play. I was very happy with that. But th- one of the most criticized aspects of his recent performances has been his crossing, right? And I still felt his crossing was poor today. He went zero for three. Um, he got into the positions and he wasn't doing anything with it. So how did you measure Juan's kind of up performance um, with with the goal and the assist, but but then the, the kind of on par performance with, with the crossing and the final ball sort of thing? I tend to agree that um and not like he had a bad game so let's not take this as oh adam and gavin hate Juan. right right right. um he absolutely deserved his man of the match it was great to see him have success and he needs to be you know have be dangerous on that right side for this system to work honestly he does and so, was, if anything, I, I I was happy that it was a good confidence boosting game for him. But yeah, that same problem of his his final ball is not there, and it wasn't uh, against Charlotte. And in, in the times he did get, you know, past his man on the right flank, he was open. Sometimes he chose, you know, there was one in particular where he chose to put a ball in and it would just throw it in the mixer. Of course, he overhit it when he could have taken space and gotten like to the six yard box almost if he made a dribble and, you know, put in a much more dangerous ball that that's when he's had the most successes when he's been able to get close. And, you know, that technical skill doesn't matter as much, at least not like the crossing. Um, So yeah, just because he had success getting into those positions and was in situations in which it was a different skill required of him, um, not that he couldn't mess it up, which he didn't, and I'm glad he didn't mess it up, and he deserves credit for that, but the normal things required of his position, I don't think we saw anything different. Yeah, it was a very on-par game. It was just the, the literally and, and, the goal and the assist. And also the game plan worked, again, really direct, balls in behind, you know, kind of give and go, give it to Mauricio, let him find who on, like, all those direct runs, direct passing to the channels, that's very much to his style. And that's, I think, the game plan and Charlotte's lack of cohesion because he's going to wreck any defense, um, at least getting into the positions that isn't ready for him. Um, I think that uh, played more into the good game we saw out of him rather than him fixing his issues. Yeah, I I think that's a great point, actually. I mean... Going to somebody else who we'll talk about later, uh, like like Pato didn't have a great substitute appearance, but is sitting deep and trying to win the balls that get cleared uh, and keeping possession in the the middle third. Is that Pato's game? I don't think so. So like, I yes, have Pato no did idea not why have Pato played. Right, like, like Pato... Jack Lennon, honestly. <laughs> Seriously, like Pato does need to be doing that. Exactly, like. That that's not a slight on Pato. It's just not the the game style that he does well in. And so with Juan, I think that more direct game style is is definitely where he thrives the most. Build up play is not his his strong suit. Yet that's what we saw him attempting to do against New York Red Bulls, sort of thing. So so with Juan, let's stay on him for a second. 
I think this match in particular, Adam, was a great example of how key moments can kind of influence a fan base's thinking on a player or on a team as a whole. So my question to you, because, you know, we just talked about the the one goal, one assist, yet it was basically the same performance as all the other performances. How do you think we as fans who obviously analyze every single little thing. We definitely overanalyze. How do we strike that balance of like, yeah, he had a good a good couple of moments. He delivered in those key moments. But for the rest of the match, he was maybe no better than some of his other performances where it sounds like it, he's been heavily criticized. How, how do we strike that balance? I mean, what can we do? We can just accept it. We can... So, so our job, our job, right? It heavy, heavy air quotes that you cannot see me doing on this audio format is to support the team and the players on the team. And and, uh, and us harping on Juan hasn't been able to cross in his entire time with Orlando City. That is not changing now. It has never been not that. Okay, <laughs> he's been a little sloppier on defense this year. I think that is not characteristic of him and will probably write itself out or Kyle Smith will play. If that <laughs> continues to be that much of an issue, you know, what can we do as fans? Shut up about it. <laughs> like we all know at this point, he had a good game. Be like, okay, good job. Goal and assist. Good game. It try keeping harping on it every single week is not going to help anyone's sanity. It's not going to make anyone have more fun rooting for Orlando City. It's not going to help Juan get into any better form. Uh, so the balance is just kind of support him and be there for him and not you know expect unrealistic things and also not you know say everything is automatically fixed and expect it to be better now because it isn't. So just have real... I think... The thing we need to do is have realistic expectations for Juan and who he is as a player for Orlando City. Yeah, I and that's I, how we would strike the balance. Yeah, and I also think we we as fans need to. I don't want to tell anybody how to enjoy this sport, right? Like everyone enjoys it in their own way, but but maybe we we shouldn't just be analyzing on just the the big moments that we remember um and it's hard right because you you can't remember every single little detail you'd have to rewatch the game 10 freaking times and i'm not saying you have to rewatch the game but like one thing that usually bugs me about analysis of this sport is one thing will happen and i'm gonna i'm gonna actually you know, use you as an example, Adam, and not in a negative way. But you you sent a text to to Chase and I about Thomas Williams' um, game against the Rowdies. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. So so you said um, Mendez was helping um, Williams. He he was protecting him in, in uh, a, a couple times, and you said a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I. I rewatched that first half twice and I didn't, I only saw it on like one or two occasions. 
And so like, to me, that's, that's a personal pet peeve of like, I don't think it happened a lot. You just remember the one or two times that it happened. And so you feel like it happened a lot. I'm not saying I mean, that's I, what I personally you did. Thought I saw it like four or five times, but and and you probably you might have that. I didn't. It, it also might have been different things that we were looking for, right? Probably. So and that's fine. But I'm just trying to use that as sort of an example of sometimes people will say, "Oh, well, this player did this a lot." Like like I don't know. Huan got past his man a lot, and it's like he got past his man once. That's just what you remember. You know, that's the key moment that you remember. So I think when we're when to 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 kind of strike the balance, maybe we need to I guess remember more. <laughs> we need to remember a little bit better what's happening in a match, and then we can kind of sit back and go, okay, yes, he was really poor in this one moment but for the rest of the match he actually played an important role or he was really good in this one moment but for the rest of the match he was kind of eh. and then i think we can have a little bit more of a nuanced discussion on a player or on on a thing we're seeing absolutely we need more nuance like you could look at rodrigo schlegel is a great example of this rodrigo schlegel's had penalties in two straight games you could argue that neither of those penalties should have been given but they were, and so that those that big stat reflects very very poorly on him. Should we it'd be should we be looking to bring in another center back? Should we be benching Rodrigo Schlegel for Thomas Williams, who was great against the Rowdies? <laughs> right, <laughs> that's yeah. how this stuff builds. Like no, Schlegel's been good. It, uh, a, a a game in which the whole team was poor against <laughs> against the Red Bulls. In which Schlegel was probably one of the better of the poor performers. Um, and then, you know, one bad moment that was honestly a very, very soft penalty. Now, you can't give the ref the opportunity to call that, but it was an extremely soft penalty against Charlotte. Those moments don't change that he's been good for the, you know, for the majority 90, of games, 95% yep. of the time he's been on the pitch for us. And, and, but if you were to judge by just the big moments, you would say Rodrigo Schlegel sucks. Now, of course, defending is probably the hardest job in soccer because it requires so much knowledge and information processing and, and toughness and and all the technical skill that comes with defending. It's very hard, and, and your job is to not get beat ever, and so it is about those big moments. If you get beat once, people are going to think you suck. It, yeah. He's still even against that scale, still been pretty good. So, uh, yeah, it's it, and it's interesting which players people seem to apply that nuance for, because I think Schlegel's honestly gotten some benefit of the doubt here. I, I don't see anyone really calling for his job that loudly. Um, that might be because we have no one we behind him, but still. <laughs> no one's been like, oh, we should bring in a center back you know, with what's left of the window or we have to be looking at a center back for the summer. No, he's filled in Adam Ripley. And, and, you know, sometimes that nuance needs to be applied to Juan in both directions because Juan does produce highlights. Absolutely, he does. You know, whether it's the highlight, you know, tracking back, you know, chasing someone down for, you know, a, a, a goal-saving tackle or going forward, like, blazing by his defender and getting good position and getting like those, that one out of 10 good crosses he has. 
Just because he's capable of that does not mean he's always that. And just because he's capable of having a brain fart and, and you know losing his his man on the defensive side does not mean that he's always that way. He has generally been a pretty decent defender for us. And, and I, I will go to bat for him on that. He's been good on defense. Um, so, yeah, he's had a rough start to the season, but that doesn't mean necessarily defensively that's who he is. And he's had some highlights on offense, but that doesn't mean that's necessarily offensively who he's always going to be. So you need he's going to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I will say one out of ten good crosses is, um, I think, a little lenient. I, I think it's more like one out of twenty-five. <laughs> um, let him have it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, since you brought Schlegel up, let's just go go into the penalty. I'm going to tell you why I do actually think it's a penalty, and I think it's because he doesn't run into the player. He throws his like i don't know chest shoulder like like he shoulders the guy but he doesn't run into the guy with his body and keep his shoulder by his side he throws his body so i think the more professional thing to do would have been to run across the player get get slight contact and then keep running and ref never calls that so do I mean, you think that's just a um a uh that's a little nitpicky? Obviously the ref called it. No no no, no. I yeah, so but I think I mean I don't think it's nitpicky. I think that it, it's that's you probably can't, you why can't the ref shove a it. player there. It's a foul, I think. I it, he was kinda the ref was kinda letting him play a little bit, which is why I was shocked that he kinda called that foul. Because honestly, it was like a hip shoulder check, which is we see all the time not called and the ball was overhit. It was right to glass it. Like he wasn't getting to it. So it wasn't like he knocked him off the ball or anything. I think, I think it should have been let go. I get that. He gave the ref the opportunity to call it and it was called and it's not going to be overturned by bar. It certainly wasn't that controversial. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, I it think was, it's... it was a mistake. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think it was a very egregious mistake. And it's probably one that Preha will see correct. And he won't do it again. Yeah, I just think it's an inexperienced thing, personally. I think a more experienced defender, instead of leaning into the contact, Probably. which makes it pretty obvious, if so, he yeah. just runs across him, then it's no penalty. Yeah, the like, guy falls Antonio Carlos probably oh, yeah. does that thing where he just kind of shields it a little bit. and Yeah. Yeah. That's my only gripe with it. But overall, I think it's the second kind of really... For me, I, I thought it was a pretty stupid thing, to stupid penalty to give up. Personally, um, going back to the Perea one, not the not the one against New York Red Bulls, that was never a penalty. Um, but in hindsight, in hindsight, because hindsight's always twenty twenty, I'm okay with it as long as he learns from it, and he seems to have a track record of learning from his mistakes. Schlegel, do you agree. agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that he has visibly grown each year he's been with Orlando city and even throughout the season, he has gotten better. He's definitely an ascending player still in his career. And, and it, he's shown that he takes, you know, mistakes he's made in the past and he learns from them and he doesn't repeat them that often. 
Yeah. Um, and that's kind of why I'm okay with it. So I think the message to him from the coaching staff should be, hey, don't lean into it. Just run across him. Move on with your life. Uh, we win 2-0 because Charlotte were not. Charlotte, we're not going to score a goal on us in this match no. if we didn't do that. <laughs> Let's talk patterns of play. Um, I think our right side in this match specifically, Faku and Juan, they're doing a better job. I think they are players who do a better job of arriving onto a ball with maybe not as much time to think. So you think about some of Facundo Torres. is very instinctual. Instinctive, exactly. Yep, that's a great word for it, Adam. Uh, you think of the cross. Um, was it against Columbus where he he gets the ball passed yeah, back Columbus. to him, puts the ball in, uh, obviously gets the headed goal against Galaxy. Obviously, a tap-in is going to be a one-touch, so I'm not even going to reference that. Um, or or the cross against was it the LAFC where where he got his first assist to Urso, or maybe, I don't remember who it was against me. It was an Urso-headed goal at Exploria, and he gets he, a left, left-footed cross. He does better when the pace of play is quicker. Yes, yes, exactly. So, so for me, I think, and I don't think we're doing this, I think our pattern of play, and basically, listeners, what I mean by pattern of play is just what are the general things that, how does this team get the ball to the people on the pitch. So how does Juan usually get the ball? Usually we play it up the right and then he overlaps in as a third man run or a, uh, um, what are those called when Juan passes it and then to Faku and then Faku passes it to a one, two, give and go one, two. Yeah. Um, thank you. That's how Juan usually gets the ball. I think what we saw in this match was we kind of built play up when we were trying to build play, uh, especially on the goal, we built play up the left. Uh, Benji completely rinses Jalen Lindsay uh, for the second time in this match, crosses it, Juan follows in and, and slots at home. Do you think that should be maybe a, a pattern of play we see more moving forward where Faku and Juan arrive on a ball in the final third rather than we build through them too to get to the final third mm, Juan, yes uh faku maybe i i think that faku i would like to see combine more quickly and directly with Perea or Pereira and pato uh rather than you know try and use him as an outlet because i think that's wasting his skills because he when i say he's instinctual i don't mean that he can't be a creative player because he's he makes very good very quick decisions it's when you give him a little too much time to think that he starts to overthink things like oh i have to make this perfect i i would rather him arrive on a ball I would like him to maybe not touch the ball till it gets in the final third. And then he runs across Mauricio Pereira, like right ahead of him. And Mauricio has the option to like dump it off to him to move the point of attack. And then he can play the inlet ball rather than, you know, Pereira being totally responsible for that, you know, or maybe he can put combine with, with Pato who's who the man makes a run across his defender. You know, I think that's ultimately how we're going to see this team play as it gets, as the attack, you know, builds and develops throughout the season, 
is kind of how I visualize this because Faku is also better when he's inverted rather than playing off the wing. So you don't want you don't want to put him in a corner where he's arrived. He's gotten the long ball right. He's beaten the the uh, the left back, and now he's in the corner and he's one on one with with that left back again, who's caught up to him, and he has time and space, but he doesn't necessarily have you know a lot of targets that that he can choose from to make, you know, not, not across. What I'm trying to get at is a cross is not necessarily a picked out pass, right? A cross is generally a hit and pray that someone gets on it. Let's be honest. That's what it is. That's not what we want Baku doing unless, you know, he's putting a ball back in like he did against Columbus. But that's not the prime mm-hmm. method of him creating. We want, we want him combining more intentionally with the rest of our attacking players. So I don't I don't necessarily think that putting him in that corner and letting him try to go one-on-one is the best use of his skills. He needs to be inverted. Yeah. Um so but so the way we're using him right now, which to be fair in this match, I feel we used him more as the creator. Right? So so I I think in previous previous matches he's been more build up. I think in this match he was more creative, but I'm thinking of the Columbus wonder goal. We scored the team goal where he, he kind of inverted into the middle. He dropped into mm-hmm. space. He played it off and then he flicked it onto Kara and then Kara was, slotted was a very up. quick play, all very quick play. So are do you agree then with your answer that, building up the right might not be the best thing for, for our right side of our attack. I I hate that. (laughs) Okay. So, so I think that's what I'm trying to get at too, because I think we should be building up the left so much more. Moutinho is so much better at it. That's what I was about to say. Moutinho, who he deserves some, some love on this podcast that I don't think he's gotten. I think he's been insanely good this season. He has taken, I, I will, I will eat my share of crow on John Moutinho so long as he stays on the pitch. It, yeah, I mean, defensively good, offensively, you know, consistent. Like, we can talk about that in a second if we want. But I think we build up, we should, thinking out loud about this, build up through Moutinho. And Pereira has been playing left eight, so why aren't we getting him involved more and build up down that side instead of get getting the ball because the pattern of play is, is either Janssen or Juan, or, or or I guess Schlegel, but but really Janssen and Juan are the two main ones. Passing the ball into Araujo or Pereira, and then and then we move up the pitch down um, the right, and Pereira kind of fades over to the right. Uh, I think we should be doing this up the left. Moutinho, Pereira, get, get that kind of combination going, and then... If Pato and Faku are on the pitch at the same time, or if Benji's on the pitch, Benji's over there to kind of be a, a stretcher, uh, some verticality in there. And then when we get to the middle, then we start to switch it out to the right, um, or really onto the edge of the final third. And then we get hopefully an overload on the right side with Urso and Facundo and Juan. And then you've got Kara in the middle as well. I think that sounds a little bit more dangerous than what we're doing right now. My thought on this, though, is defensively, 
And I think this, yeah, is, that was, this might that was be the problem is defense. Like like defensively, if we're building up down the left and we're pushing our right side high, if they win the ball, they're going to go at that right side space. Yeah. And can so, we get back? I don't I know. I think here's the thing. So you know Pereira always likes to have three players back. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't necessarily love one of those three players being Juan, I think. Mm-hmm. He so wants him forward. So I think, well, I think also he, he feels much better with Moutinho, Janssen, Schlegel, optimally. Obviously, we're, uh, Janssen is not playing in this upcoming game due to yellow card accumulation. Um, but I think his preferred back three with the players that are normally available for us at this moment is... Uh, Moutinho, Janssen, Schlegel. And I think that he prefers Juan Ford as much for his attacking prowess as for Moutinho is a better defender with people coming at him. You know, with with when Juan's running side by side with someone, he's absolutely fine. With when the, the counterattack is like coming at you, it's it's a different beast. And mm-hmm. uh, and like having to step to someone, I, I, Moutinho is much better at that. So I think that's why he prefers Moutinho to stay back. And also with Janssen have embracing his more free role this season, which I love, by the way. That is a, a great tactical wrinkle he's throwing at him because every time he does it, you just watch the opponent's shape just fall apart with the exception of Red Bulls because they cheat. <laughs> <laughs> Janssen on a fantastic match, by the way. Yes, not just did. that run. He had like three or four. And this is not like I no. re- I just rewatched the match. He had three or four passes into the midfield, like the one uh, yeah. on, on the. Uh, are you familiar? Was it on the yeah. Are you familiar with the hockey concept of a Gordie Howe hat trick? No, I believe it is a goal and assist and a fight. One is in hmm. one play. Like, it, no, in in. Um, Oh, it just, in, in, in just in the game. and Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's like the idea of like a complete game. He's regarded as one of the best hockey players of all time. Anyway, I feel like Janssen kind of has a similar thing. He's like, he's like one nice pass forward, one bone crunching tackle and one yellow card doing due to descent to the referee. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Robin Janssen hat trick. He has one of those each game. Damn. That's yeah, funny. That's why he's suspended for accumulating. <laughs> He he like curses out the referee so much. I feel like, and the center ref he curses out the sideline yeah. ref if the if the flag doesn't he's, go up. He's, he's got no filter a little bit. And I think I've heard that he's um, I think David Valentin told me that he was talking with people from his village back mm-hmm. in Sweden or yeah he's he's Swedish he's yeah yeah <laughs> um and they were like he's always been like this. Like yeah, he's all oh, he's always I been have like it, that. I have it on good authority that Robin Janssen has pretty much only learned uh, a few things in Spanish. That is defensive calls to be able to like talk with his teammates and, and do that because he's the one that makes line calls and Spanish curses to curse out referees. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. All Which right, sorry. Makes- Perfect sense. We were talking about um, Janssen, right? Yeah, um, I, I oh, said we were he talking had a about good formation. Game. Yeah, and Janssen had a great game. Um, as far as patterns of play with Janssen going up like that, 
I feel like that defensive cover is even more important. And particularly that we like to build up uh, at the base throughout Arujo right now because he's good at progressing the ball. If Moutinho were, were to go up, that would mean Araujo would have to drop back between the center racks because he's not pulling Juan back. So then you lose that point mm-hmm. where you basically have to swap out Moutinho for Araujo playing the six. And I guess if you wanted to go a bit wider, you could do that with Moutinho, but you're not getting an additional body in attack there. Or so, then, build up there. so then what would have to happen then if we didn't want to do that is Juan would have to stay back. Well, either Juan would have to stay back or you start Kyle Smith, you fade him into that right center back role, yeah. and then you you push Moutinho up like you push Juan but up. That, but but I don't you, see that happening. But then you lose the Juan's speed on the right side, which right. we were talking about. We want him to be coming on to the end of the, the sequence, right? Exactly. Instead of in the build-up. Yeah. So it's a problem of someone's got to stay back. I think the right answer is honestly rotating Moutinho and Araujo doing that. Is what I might do if I were faced with that problem. Assuming Juan never stays back, right? Because it's not going to happen. So if we're go- accepting the premise that Juan never stays back, you you kind of have a call every time you you establish possession, right? And you you're, you you have a call in your buildup. Either we're going left or we're going through the center. If we're going through the center... Moutinho drops, Arujo plays the six. If we're going left, Arujo drops, Janssen goes left, plays the left back, and Moutinho goes up. Yeah, I think I think that's fine. But then you take Arujo out of midfield where he's been really good at mm-hmm. winning the ball back for us. And then you've got Urso as that kind of midfield. So um, don't lose the ball. Yeah, yeah, so don't lose the ball. Yeah, right? Basically, yeah, don't lose the um, ball. That's that's the worry that I, I think that's why Pereja doesn't do that. So yeah. then I wonder, would you have to then have a Mendez in that eight position then if you wanted to do that? I have a solution. We play 12 players. I like that idea. Right? <laughs> no, it, it comes up. You, you have to do this all with 11 players. That's the hard part. Or you ask, or or then you have to ask Araujo to do two jobs, which is drop in to be a three, but also try and be a midfield destroyer. And is that the yeah. smart thing to do with well, then, your midfield? I don't on, think so. Then that relies on Moutinho getting back, which if Moutinho is not going all the way. Now, the, here's another option. If we just want Moutinho in build-up and not necessarily the final third, which I don't necessarily hate. No, I don't hate that um, at all either. Because okay. then... Then it comes a question of like, who do you want on the ball? Moutinho Pereira, Moutinho Pato, Moutinho Torres, right? I'm fine with any of those three having it over Moutinho. You know, obviously, I haven't put on a cross every once in a while, but we don't want that to be the basis of our offense either, right? So maybe have Moutinho never, not never, but like rarely cross into the final third. Once he's gotten the buildup and gotten us in a good position where all the help is there and he's shouted it off to Pereira to, you know, put in that final ball. He starts going back. So then he can cover then and get back and allow Araujo to scoot up a little bit in case of a turnover. Or hear me out. Hear me out here. I think you you brought up a really good point and then just didn't follow it through. I'm thinking Moutinho fades into a left center mid. Left center mid? Yeah. So fade into that kind of central area. So you want Araujo to stay back in that back three. 
and then Moutinho, Moutinho goes behind, behind Pereira. Just in a little bit more, yeah. And then Pereira probably cuts into the middle to facilitate play yeah, and, and play more in that Pereira 10 goes. spot. Yeah. Because you, we see fullbacks, you know, look at Manchester City, f- fade mm. into fade into right center mid and left center mid. That's obviously, like obviously, Man, like Man, Man, I mean, Guardiola's is, system is the most free flowing system in the world. Right, it's very tough to imitate one because they buy any player they want <laughs> with no repercussions. And yeah, Nathan Ake, fourth fourth choice <laughs> center back, third choice left back. Yeah. 50 million pounds? Okay. Pretty much. Without those resources and, like, you need quality players, which Moutinho is one, but you need quality players with a certain level of athleticism to be able to pull this off. Because if you're asking him to play like this, he's going to be tired. Like, even more than just normally playing left back would make Mm -hmm. Pushing up, coming back, fading in the midfield. That's a very, yeah, that's a demanding thing. And I think we have been kind of safe with Moutinho saying, okay, Mm you're going to play more of just a simple left-back role, which I think is what I kind of called for on our left-hand side yeah. before the start of the season. Just kind of chill, do your stuff. He's he been, been very good. No, no, he's not. Um, so I think the conclusion we've come to is you have to sacrifice something if we want to build up down the left. And because of is hard. Yeah, and coaching soccer is hard with the pro player profiles and and the risks you take, yada, yada, yada. Um, so then with us building up the right. Doesn't seem so bad anymore. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. But so like, we've gotten to why Oscar Preha has chosen this. Yeah, we, we've Thank come to Thank you for conclusion. listening to this. <laughs> I guess my my I don't know why you do. Or my thought is... Should we be taking the risk to possibly see a better offensive output? I think we need to diversify, which I've said this whole time. I don't think that we should main right or main left. I I mean, obviously center is ideal when it is possible because that's the most direct route to the goal. Just don't do it against the Red Bulls. Don't do it against Red Bulls. But if you can beat whatever center defense they've set up, obviously that's how you... That's the most direct way to get there. But it needs to be varied. You can't... The best teams, the ones that have won MLS Cup, won the Shield, have been teams that generally have multiple attacking options in the way they can have success. Because you, that means you can't just set up a certain way and shut them down and they don't have an answer for it. So if, if teams see us building a bunch up the right and set up their press in a way that shuts that down, we need to be able to, to move it to the left and, and make them realize that was a bad idea, make them move their press again, and then open that right side back up so then we can shift back and then get Juan in behind, right? So even if we have a secondary option just to make that primary option work, it needs to be a legit secondary option. Yep, and, and the thing I always go back to at this point is um, I, cause I agree, we need to have multiple, um, ways to attack, but also we need to have multiple styles of play all within one squad. I always go back to the Nashville playoff game. They dominated us possession wise for the first half or for the, yeah, for the entire first half, we got the goal off the corner and we kind of sat back 
and they completely dominated us possession-wise. Yes, their goal was lucky, came off a deflection. It's 1-1 heading into, what, the last 15 minutes of the game? I think they scored in the seven, past the 70th yeah. minute. They possessed, and they were creating chances, and they were looking dangerous in the first half. In the second half, they kind of... We, we, we made some changes on our end. They made some changes on their end, of course, but they were sitting deep. And then they countered and they had multiple different ways to hurt us in in the same system. And I think we need multiple different ways to hurt teams. So having the ability and having the pattern of play that we're comfortable in and getting the ball up the left and then fading out to the right and then maybe one more time out to the left. And then you've got Benji Michelle arriving on on a through ball from Facundo Torres into the middle of the box. And then you score score like that, you know, that kind of zigzag pattern, if you can think of it in your head, that needs to be an option just as much as the same stuff we've been seeing week in, week out, where we try and build up the right, get Juan in behind and hopefully get a, a, a decent cross from him. And that's obviously not our only pattern to play, but that's kind of the main one that we see. So having having multiple styles of play is definitely important. Any other thoughts on that before we move on, Adam? Uh, sorry, I muted myself. Um, I think we have thoroughly exhausted this topic. <laughs> <laughs> We've wrung it dry. Well, I've got another long one for you, maybe. I Fun. think we have a personnel issue in the front thing. In the front I th- three? In the front three, yep. I think Benji, the um, the attributes that he brings to the attack is unique to any of the other players we have in the attack. And so I think he needs to be starting. But then that means we're either dropping Pato or we're dropping Faku, I think. Because I don't uh, think... I don't think... That's where I was going. I don't know if we can drop Kara. I don't, or sorry, I would drop Kara for Pato personally. I don't know if I see Pareja seeing that as an option as he has started every game he's been fit for nonstop. Um, what do you make of Benji's physical stretching verticality profile being something that I feel we need in our attack? It. I agree for some games. I, I for Charlotte, obviously, it was the right choice. If if we're games that we want to be more direct, and I get that we want to be able to do this with the same squad, I view our squad as thirteen players approximately that are capable of being real contributors. That is our normal starting eleven plus Mendez and Benji. Mm-hmm. And. You know, we have some other guys other than them that see the pitch, but not that you're really excited to see the pitch, right? Those are the those are the players you're okay with starting week in, week out. Yes. And and so I'm okay with having Benji Michelle on the bench in case in case you need to say we have a, a Benji system and a Pato system, right? Or when they're playing together, Torres is maybe off or cars maybe off, right? I don't think Pereira ever comes off. Um, and you have kind of ways you play with each of those having one on the bench to sub for any of them to change to a different style of play is not necessarily a bad thing. I would say you kind of want to start with your quality though, which is why I would prefer to start with Benji on the bench unless you just know it's going to be a Benji game, right? 
and Pato needs his rest. Absolutely. And we're going to have midweeks and we're going to have open cup and, and all that. It's not like Benji's not going to get to play. Clearly he has gotten to play so far. And I agree with that. He has earned his spot. Absolutely. He's been great. Yeah. As far as first choice 11, I, Kara just edges him out for me. I think you, you need, uh, I think Pato's quality is too great. And I think Kara, you need that nine. His hold up play is the car's hold up play is honestly unique also. And he allows he allows creative attackers to play off of him so well with that hold-up play that he meshes really well with, with Pereira Torres and Pato. Um, so, so I knew you were going to go there with the get your best players on the pitch take. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just not how I personally view starting lineups and how they should work. I know that's how a lot of people feel. I know that's how a lot of coaches feel. I think speed is a very important factor. And I think verticality, especially in the system we're using today, down our left, has been important for us. We've won more games with Benji starting on the left this season. Uh, he started on the left against Columbus. He started on the left against Charlotte. He started on the left against... Um, uh galaxy i want to say here uh, here's my like, thing he did not start left against galaxy here's my thing and i'm about to commit sacrilege on this podcast oh, if we're going to commit to benji starting i almost want kyle smith to start on the right i'm saying benji needs to start to balance the verticality of our attack so i would not do that but please please elaborate i I, you don't want that to be your entire game plan. I don't. I don't like that. I don't like necessarily balancing verticality or whatever. Like, you got a fast guy, you use him. And I think Benji's a better fast guy than Juan is, is a fast guy. Obviously, Juan's faster, but Benji's better on the ball. He's a better finisher. He's a better attacker. Like he, he is an attacker, right? If we're playing Juan strictly for his attacking prowess on the right side and but also using benji as that speed out option that he doesn't get used as that much his uh, that his use up the left is very low when we're doing that right side build up through juan because you're asking juan to do the same thing on the right side and that's obviously your preference so i think we asked starting... i i sorry i think we use benji a little differently we use him to get to the final third while we use Huan to break past the final line. I think that's the difference, but we do use Benji in a similar fashion, just not that final ball fashion. Yeah. Which I think is a better way to use him. I honestly wish we used Huan like that. Um, so if you're going to, but if you're going to have the stretcher guy and you're really not going to use one of them, cause we don't use Benji that much when he's on the pitch, he's like, he's like, Got a breaking case of emergency. Like you're glad you he's there if you need him, but you try not to need him. And I don't necessarily. I just feel like that's often a wasted spot. That's fair. I, the way I see it is, I think we need. I, I think he helps us get the ball into the final third. How often do we see Benji end up with the ball he, at the corner of the 18 yard box, faced up against one or two defenders? That's because we play other him into space. Tried. Yes, 
I think people expect Benji to to be that running behind left winger on FIFA and then uh, RBB into the bottom right corner, Thierry Henry style or, or Harry Kane style. You know, like I don't think he's that running behind. He, he can do that, but that's just not the space that teams give anymore. That's very like 2010, no. 2011, FIFA 12 stuff. <laughs> like Absolutely, yeah. No... No competitive MLS team is giving that much space in the box. No, the, definitely their not. defenders are physical. They're up in your face and they're going to make you earn it. That's what this league is now. I think uh, I like having Benji on the left, even though he is not as good as Pato. He's not as good as Facundo Torres. He's not as good as Cara, but getting the ball having an outlet to bring the ball into the final third. And he's doing a really good job of keeping the ball in the final third this season, a lot better than he's done in the past, keeping the ball in the final third. And, and, and then, and then the better players, he needs to get the ball to the better players instead of trying to take on his man, which he did early on in the season. He needs to get the ball to the better players and let them do the better player thing, which is create and score the goal. And then he can be an option out on the left no, but getting the ball to the final player. third works better with Benji on the left than with Facundo Torres on the left and shoehorning Pato on the right. It doesn't work. No, I, I think I think Pato should be the left winger and Faku should be the right winger, honestly. And then allow Faku to invert and Pato to invert whenever they want. Here's but then the we question. don't have that verticality. Sorry, Here's sorry. Here's the sorry. question. Do you use because that verticality you're saying is is really only being used to get into the final third? What if we go back to our last discussion on Moutinho and if we were to use Moutinho to, in the build up more to get the ball there and then drop him to left center mid and then Pereira goes out left maybe to finish getting the ball there, so then you don't need Benji as much and then you still have Pato Cara Torres as your front three. Sorry, sorry. I'm trying to envision that. You're saying put Pereira out on the left. Well, not necessarily put Pereira out on the left. No, but, but like solve, he, he... To solve the problem of getting the ball into the final third up on the left, which Pereira's already playing left eight because Ursel plays right eight. Mm -hmm. So when you do that build up between Moutinho and Pereira and just them being classy and then having obviously Pato drop back because he can be that third option, you're not necessarily using speed to do it, but those three players are good enough technically that they can just pass through whatever defense is set up on the left side. And then if they are going to commit numbers defensively to the left, then you're opening up the middle and you can have Torres invert. You know, have Pereira quickly get the ball to Torres. Torres goes up, plays off Cara, and then you do like a little one-two to now like a, a, a two-on-two with just the center backs because then they vacated the midfield. I think that sounds like a great plan, a great idea. But then I think what may happen if we were to do something along those lines is what if, like, if there's no threat in behind, which Pato does not make runs in behind, if if there's no threat in behind, defenses are just going to push up on that. But you're not saying try to get in behind over there. That no, You're just saying, yeah, swing it out to the right. That That puts us to one option, like one outlet, that we're going to attack at. And if they shut that down, what do we do after that? You know we what I mean? We'll have Juan. You, yeah. Yeah. Juan Gober. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's the plan. <laughs> that is our current plan. 
if Pato's yeah. fancy stuff on the left doesn't work, Juan Gober. So, so just g- circling back to my first point of we have a personnel issue. I think Benji needs to be a starter on the left. Obviously, he can't play every game. I like your point of there will be Benji games. There will not be Benji games. There will be Pato games. But, but for right now, the big games against the big teams, I want Benji starting on the left. And then it's Kara or Pato. Or really, I, I think it's Faku or Pato. And we're not taking Faku off, so Pato sees the bench, which is what's been happening this season. So I think in the, in the, the big games where we need to have... But then Pato loves playing with Benji. So then you take Faku off? You, you're, t- you're saying take Kara off. I'm saying take Kara off. But again, then Kara... But then we miss that hold-up play. Yeah, you miss the hold-up play. And he is the only nine healthy on the roster right now. Hence, we need 12 players. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we've gone back. We, Oscar, I know, you're, I know you're listening. We're close now. You know, you said you were going to sign my arm. <laughs> players. They'll never know. Seriously. I'll never know. All right. Well, I, we're going on long here, but there's still a couple more topics that I've wanted to touch. I'll, I'll, we'll have to skip out on a couple. Um, name this episode. Soccer is hard. Soccer is hard. Attendance. Uh, have you seen the discussion around attendance? Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say about it. Uh, there's not much that I mean, when your team sucks for six years, and the front office doesn't do shit about making it a good entertainment product for, you know, about three or four. And it's going to take a lot get. of effects. This is what you get. There's nothing. It's going to be the team's good. It's good weather. It's a decent opponent. doesn't matter. We're getting 15K. 15 to 18 is about what we're getting right now. And you know what? It's going to have to be like that until it's not. I, I know that there are some things in the pipeline. Um, the team, so the lot next to the stadium that everyone says should be used as a tailgating lot, right? That one, everyone knows the one we're talking about. They're working on it. It's going to be a couple years probably, but they're working on it. They have some issues with that land and I think the zoning board and whatever, but they're working on it. Eventually that will probably be tailgating space, which will help immensely. They're starting to do the magnet Mondays again, right? They think they need to amp that up a little bit, but you know, they're giving out those free magnets, getting them on the back of cars. Remember how they were in 2015. They're doing that. They are. Everyone's always says they should give out tickets to like youth soccer teams and boys and girls clubs and all that. They do that. Jared Dillon, who is our, I think vice president of business operations, whatever he's, he's the guy in charge of this stuff. He comes from the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm sure everyone's heard that they sell out pretty much every game, have for the past few years. He knows what he's doing, but he has told us even it's going to take time. And he's talking with supporters, not just the Ruckus and I left, but he's talked with a lot of season ticket holders and, and other people who have been active in the Orlando City community. He knows what he's doing. And he's taking input to see what the fans actually want. It just it's it's unrealistic to expect it overnight. So stop expecting it overnight. Yeah, and I don't think people are expecting it overnight. Maybe I mean I'm sure some people are. Um, I, I think there's just 
the complaining around it is kind of frustrating to me because it's like first and foremost i i i think 17k plus each week is pretty or 16k plus or whatever it is each week is pretty impressive right now especially because we're not really winning our home games (laughs) like you know i was surprised to see the the turnout for um for the games after the cincinnati and lafc games right chicago there was a, a decent like like i still think 16k plus is good no it's not amazing no it's not top of the league stuff like I don't think we should be expecting around 20k right now. It's an inflation market. We in the really crucial in the critical years of our development of MLS culture, we were a horrible watch. The 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 fans who would come on side to a to a good team did not get a good team and therefore they lost interest and now they think MLS is low quality and they don't want to watch it and they're just going to keep watching Chelsea, you know? So like those were the years where you had to have fun, exciting soccer where, where you had to really be uh, an entertaining team to watch. And we just weren't. So we lost out on that opportunity. So now we have to, to, to reel it back in. And like you said, Jared Dillon's doing all he can. Um, for now, it's fine. I, I don't get the complaining about it. Just go support the team. Attendance will rise and fall. Also, this is MLS, right? It's still a growing league. I don't think it's fair to expect 20K plus week in, week out. Like a lot of teams aren't doing that. It's not a indication of Orlando fans aren't, you know, showing up. It's just an indication of where the league is at the moment. I mean, shoot, go on ESPN Plus to watch a game, and I have to scroll through six, seven, eight different outings of, like, NCAA baseball before I get to an MLS match. Like, the the league has, still has to grow. It has a lot of growing to do. So, like, so with attendance, I, point. I get it, but I don't get the complaining, personally. So, to that point... There's a silver lining to this. You can go to an, uh, an Orlando City game. Uh, obviously, the people who are listening to our podcast are diehards. Right. You can go whenever you want. And presumably, I don't know anyone's financial situation, but, you know, parking, 10 bucks, ticket, you know, it can be had for 25 you know, It's You don't have to buy food there. The games aren't that long. You're sitting there for two hours, you know, there are water fountains in the stadium. You don't have to buy anything in the stadium. You can go to an MLS game for under $40. That's a professional sports game that, you know, you you are a fan of that is in your hometown, presumably, that you can go whenever you want, and it, it, it does not cost an arm and a leg. And believe me, one day it will. Because when soccer takes over baseball as you know one of the popular sports in this country, which is going to happen, um, and and it'll probably be more popular than hockey at some point too. When the next happens, generation is going to be the one. Yes, when that happens, you're not going to Orlando City game for forty dollars. So appreciate it now while you can. It, 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 it any of you who are fans of NFL teams, right? Uh, how ridiculous is it going to an NFL game? 
or even a magic game sometimes. You know, having to park downtown because being a little bit outside downtown, you can find much cheaper parking in Paramore than you can for Amway Center. Uh, you know, and, and even the, the magic tickets can be ridiculous. Uh, right? So let's appreciate us being, and I know I don't want to call it minor league, but let's appreciate us being a little more minor league than the other major league sports while we can. Because it's not going to last forever. And, you know, someday we might be saying, oh, I, I wish it was the good old days when I can go to a city game for $40 and I, I could get whatever seat I wanted and I could do it just at, at the drop of a hat. Now I got a plan or my season tickets are costing an arm and a leg and I got to, you know, make sure that I save up enough to go to six games this season or whatever. It's going to happen. Maybe not today or tomorrow, maybe not even five years from now. Uh, we'll get there eventually. I'm looking at the uh, 2026 World Cup. Yeah, I that's think that's honestly, when it's that's really gonna be a gonna, big catalyst. A lot of, stadiums are going to be full. I think for may, a couple games early on um, in the next MLS season after the uh, 2026 World Cup, it's going to be. Like, Where did all these Orlando City fans come from? Yeah, and now and then it's going to be keeping them right. Entertaining soccer. I want to see entertaining soccer in 2027. Heard it here first. Um, all right, we're an hour and six minutes in. Let's go ahead and get into some questions here. Oh, boy. <laughs> Again, to anyone who listens to this, why? Why? Yeah. We really appreciate you guys, definitely. Thank uh, you. Let's get some of the easy ones out of the way. Uh, at Hogtown Hooligans, what is the likelihood we have a realistic chance of, to bring back Laren and at Zero. FL Data Dude now that we have Mueller, Gam, with, uh, obviously with Mueller going to the fire, we'll talk about that in a second. Will Laren start over Kara this weekend? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. What what shirt number should we give him? Nine. <laughs> we already have a nine. Uh, but, you know, he's starting now, so he's the nine. <laughs> He'll be 99. 99. There we go. Yeah, no, we're not like getting... His IS. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that guy existed. Um... Yeah, we're not bringing Laren back. Zero Hogtown Hooligans. Point zero one. I know no, I saw I, that. No, zero. It's not <laughs> happening. Don't give them hope, Gavin. Sorry, sorry. Zero, zero, zero. It, it's um, zero. I saw that Turkish reporters say Atlanta United, Orlando City, and someone else were in talks. Look, uh, if the only reason we would be in talks is because we have his MLS rights. That would be the only reason we're in talks because it doesn't make sense to bring this player back. Uh, yeah, not with the squad we have. Contract. Yeah, not with the squad we have, not with the DP situation. Like it, it's not with the international situation. It's not happening. Um, no, so. He wouldn't be an international. Oh, Canadian. no, that's right. He's Canadian. That's right. But, but, we don't but have no, the with DP the DP slot, situation, right? you would have. 100% have to offload car. You guys, you're not getting rid of Maurizio. You're not getting rid of Torres, right? You have no, to we would Carlos. buy, we would buy down Maurizio with, with all the gam we got from Mueller, which is probably like a hundred K. We would then, sure. um, we would then bring in a deep or a DP level striker on DP money. And, and then we would have Pato and Kara on the bench. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right, um, <laughs> so the, for all the time we've spent on this question that we shouldn't have zero, which in Spanish, cero. 
Yeah. What is it? Close Canadian. to Z, uh, I, zero. Or French. They speak French, don't they? There zero, is no and I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Misael Rosa at 1MISSO. Feelings about Mueller possibly joining the fire. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, you know they live and breathe football in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I, you know he's always wanted to play for a big club like the Chicago Fire. <laughs> oh, it's fucking hilarious. Anyone not knowing what we're talking about, ILF put out a tweet. Basically, the the comment that he made, where it's like he wanted to be at a club that lived and breathed football, and then they just edited out. Um, because he says a club like Hibs, and then they just edited out Hibs and put the Chicago Fire. <laughs> hey, I hear they're serious World Cup contenders. <laughs> <laughs> they might win it this year, you know? They might Absolutely. Win it. All right, let's get into the serious questions here. Um, Jimmy D at Jimmy underscore SLC. How does OC gain more consistency? Seems to be either hot or cold, not much middle ground. Along the same lines, scoring goals is still an issue. If we go down by two or sometimes even one, I have little faith that we can get back in the game. I mean, I I would say that lack of faith is unfounded because uh, Pareja's teams have consistently shown that they're good at responding to goal deficits. That often that that uh, complacency that can take place in the team that just scored the goal, they're good at taking advantage of that with a sense of urgency and getting it back. So that's the first of all. Um, I don't know if there's numbers to support that, but I just feel like we've seen that more often than not. That I think we've Preha, seen that in the past, but we have not seen that this season. And we haven't gone down much this season. The games where we've gone down... F- I think at all we've lost. Now we did equalize twice against LAFC. We did equalize against Cincinnati, but we didn't get over the hump. We lost both yeah. of those games. Uh, other than that, I don't think we've ever come back. It's also, from- it's also a new core, and I, I think I think a lot of people didn't listen when we say when we said that the start would be slow. A lot of people didn't yeah. listen especially with the brutal, brutal schedule um, away trip and then coming home to Red Bulls and all that. I don't think people listened. They didn't. <laughs> we told well, you what was going to happen. Here's the hard part, right, is even though we, we've been kind of slow, we're third place. We have yeah, 17 that's, that's points. And yes, we have a, a game a in hand, but like – we we we're still up there, so the expectation is this is a, a finished article team, yeah, and then they see us a, lose against the Red Bulls in a horrible fashion right after having our good. best. Right, but and, but people don't people yeah. don't know that we know that. But it's like so so think of this: people see the most complete performance of the season, two zero on the road against Columbus. Mm-hmm. We score a wonder goal. We then turn around and beat Orlando. Um, Orlando. We turn around and beat Tampa Bay with our backups. And then we play the Red Bulls at home. We're all feeling good. We're feeling high and mighty. And we get bullied on our own pitch. And then we go against Charlotte in a 2-1 close win. Looks closer than it actually was. But, like, that's inconsistent for for the everyday fan. I guess. I, I don't know what people expected. 
this is this is better than I expected. I, I think I I think in our preview episode I said if we're above the playoff line, like after that road trip, like coming back to Red Bulls, which obviously that wasn't exactly a nice one to come back to, but we didn't think Red Bulls were gonna be this good either. Or Cincinnati. Let that Cincinnati loss is looking not as bad as it we once thought it was. Oh no, they're a good team. Yeah. I don't know about good, but they're they're not they're not since of old. Um and they just got a, a lot better with a DP uh, defensive midfielder. They did. They really they needed that bad. They've been needing that since they've come into the freaking league, yeah. man. Um, but yeah, the, this is I I think I think I said it. As long as you were above the playoff line, I'd be happy. We're in third place, and solid like solidly like they're like we're even, no matter the results this weekend, we can drop no lower than fourth. So that's a home playoff game, and we're through the toughest part of our schedule. Uh, well, toughest opponents part of our schedule. Obviously, there's midweeks coming up, but yeah, that it's gonna get better, guys, because it's gonna be it's gonna be easier opponents and more. I think we have a hard run up. Personally, I don't think we're in that easy part yet. Montreal away is gonna be a difficult match, and then we've got. So. I think we match up real well with Montreal, especially with them missing a few players. That's a good point. And then we've got Philly in the Open Cup. And then we're on the road against Toronto, who have been hot and cold this season. Um, but but I would rather play Toronto now. I don't think that, and also yeah. Philly, Philly, I don't think is as good as everyone thinks. Maybe. And then we go to Austin. That's gonna be a, That's big, a big match. Game. Home to Dallas, who have been good. Away to New England. That will still be a tough match, even though they're not as good as last season. Before we get a home against Dynamo, away against Cincy, home against DC, home against Miami. That's probably our easiest run of the season. Mm. So I mean, I don't think any there. of those games are like murderers row, not like, you know, no, Bay, no, 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 no. with LA clubs, Portland, Red yeah. Bulls, all like that. It's definitely easier than that. And we come out of that in third place. Yeah, it's going to be interesting what we do. So uh, going back to your question, Jimmy, on how do we gain more consistency? I think it's just going to take time. And I think our coaching staff is going to have to do a good job of game to game, picking the right game plan and and putting the positions in the right positions to succeed, putting the players in the right position to succeed. Um, I think it's down to the coaching staff for consistency, personally. Um, obviously, the players yeah, have to go out and do they're it. They're obviously still figuring things out. Yeah, exactly. So if we're time. still having these problems, you know, 25 games in, then yeah, we're ready to complain. We're 10 games in. We're not even a third of the way through the season. We we said before the season it was going to take at least 10 games to figure this shit out. And it has. Yeah. So yeah. be just a little more patient. And then on the scoring goals front, I'd say we're mid-tier. We're at 12 right now, so there are, there are teams with 16, 15, 19, 20 is the, the most, I think. Or 22 is the most. Yeah, it's getting better. Um, we have definitely struggled. Um, but we just went through that thought exercise earlier. Uh, so there's definitely ways to do it. it. It just has to be done. It has to be practiced. Um, at a goat, um, and Tommy injuries piling up. How does Pereja manage the squad with three difficult road matches ahead? Looking Very carefully. <laughs> um, what were the three? I accidentally clicked out. Shoot. Sorry guys. We're looking at, again, away to Montreal, 
back home against Philly, away to Toronto. Philly's in the Open Cup, away to Toronto, and away to Austin. How is he going to manage the injuries and Janssen being suspended for the Montreal match? For me, Mendez has to play against Montreal. Uh, I agree. For Urso. Urso has to rest, so then Urso can play against Philly. Because linking Urso's linkage play through their diamond is going to be very important. I so agree. I, that's how I would do it. And then um, maybe rest Pato against Montreal also. Um, so So he's fresh to play against Philly. That's kind of all you can do. Midweeks happen. Defenders aren't going to sub out. Uh, Janssen does get a rest, but not of his own volition. So maybe that's maybe, why he got that yellow. He wanted a maybe, he wanted a rest. Right. <laughs> maybe Kyle Smith starts against Philly. Maybe Philly doesn't play a first like a, a true first choice eleven either. You know. I hope they don't because their backups, while good, are literal kids. McGlynn, Aronson, and Quinn Sullivan are. Hmm. Some of their big backups. And Baizo is not a kid, obviously, but he's not a very good right back. I would hope they would drop Kai Wagner as he's very good. Um, I doubt Bedoya starts the match as he's old. So like there there is an opportunity for us to to win this match and go into the next round. Um and and maybe we should be prioritizing the US Open Cup. I mean, they don't generally punt on Open Cup, do they? Uh no, I don't think so. I think we usually put out a decent team. No, Philly. Oh, punt? I, I don't I don't think so. I think they usually go for it too. Yeah, they usually go for it. So I, I don't think they'll drop too many players, especially knowing it's another MLS team. Yeah. So it's just gonna need rotation at the right time, early subs, um, earlier than than usual, and uh hoping our players don't get injured. So we we were talking about this off air uh, about the Montreal matchup a little bit, and I think Gavin and I agree that it's a really good Mendez game because we're gonna need to press in their midfield. Our our backline's gonna be vulnerable because there's no Janssen, and they are out. Wanyama and who else? Kone. We have a Kone, question yeah. on that actually. Let me ask it right here. Um. Oh my gosh, do we not have a question? Here it is. Our pressing worked well the first time around against Montreal. This is from Tesho Time at Forever City. Um, our pressing worked well the first time, time. Always Tesho Time. Against Montreal, now that Wanyama and Kone are out for the weekend, or so they heard, do you expect us to press them hard again despite us being on the road and them being in such good form and no longer having to deal with CONCACAF Champions League? Okay, so yes is the answer, and we both agreed that resting or so starting Mendez and Arujo and ha- engaging in a really hard midfield press and not giving Mihailovic any time on the ball would be the way to go to protect our back line. And also if um, we're able to dominate the midfield, we cut off Mihailovic's supply so he's not be able to hurt us as much. If we're going to give him enough time and space to operate, we're going to be sorry for it. So I, yeah, I think we agreed that the press was the way to go. Yep. I agree there. Um, let's see here. Russell McMurray at Mr. Danger Russ. Does the injury narrative for teams get overplayed considering that teams should always have backup plans and that most teams will have at least one injury that is untimely in a season is having a huge drop off an issue in roster building rather than player health. Sure. <laughs> That's all you got. I mean, it's it's MLS, right? 
never gonna have a perfect roster. Everyone's got to deal with injuries, absolutely. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think kind of like Chase said on the the uh, the last episode we did, that wasn't the rewatch. Um, building a squad, an MLS squad, is is almost like an art. I really like the way he worded it. You know, you have um, certain number of DP slots, certain number of uh, homegrown slots, certain number of U22, certain number of everything. You have salary limitations because there's a salary cap. There's a lot going on here. You are not going to be able to have a good backup in every position. It is very rare to be able to do that without using youngsters and experienced players um, who all these players have to peak at the right time for you to be good. And you have to have a lot of luck go your way. Talk, talk about like injuries like New England Revolution did not have a lot of injuries last season and they eked out a lot of one game wins using using a, a squad that was like 14 or 15 big in terms of players you'd be okay with starting most matches 13 to 15 big so like yes maybe injury narratives do get overplayed because teams need to consider that but you have to go in with that risk we talked about that with uh, gaston gonzalez every single decision that muzi and ricardo Moreira will make is a risk and it's just did they did they make the correct risk and then even if you make the correct risk, it can still turn out wrong. Like the risk against the New York Red Bulls, I think was the correct risk in terms of putting Benji up top and putting three at the back. I think that was the correct change. It just didn't work because we got punished for it but in that first counterattack that New York Red Bulls had. So, yes, it's it gets overplayed, but honestly, that's just because it's MLS. All right, last thing here at Marin at 4231. Are we going to play a full game this year or play one good half and another half parking the bus each match? Um you know that uh that gif of Adam Sandler in uh what was that movie? Jules something. I'm not a movie uh, guy, so I don't know. anyway, the most recent popular Adam Sandler movie where he's like, This is how I win that that gift um that's oscar pareja and that's how he wins he scores yeah. two goals or, or or honestly he's fine with one but two to be safe and then he shuts it down if we go up two on someone that's when we stop attacking assuming it's uh, uh after halftime so yeah if we're up to after half that we shut it down that's how he that's how he wins that's that's our have, coach you're going to have to be okay with it. I mean, you don't have to be okay with it, but that's just where we're at right now. If you um, want us to win something, you're going to have to be okay with it. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. I think that's all the questions. Thank you guys so much for, for asking. We really enjoy answering your guys' questions. You always, always give us some goofy ones as well. Some really, really interesting ones as well. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for divulging in another week of orlando city action uncut gems yes that's the movie oh i thought you were just responding to my no uncut gems is the movie i was talking about well i thought we had some uncut gems in this podcast no um (laughs) no we (laughs) we uh we talk everything to death there's nothing like 
hiding there. <laughs> if anything, we should employ an editor to take like the substance out of what we say to still, uh, we could do like, they could probably turn this into a 20 minute podcast. <laughs> no, 25, 25, 25. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for uh, dealing with us. Uh, any events coming up for copies? Food truck? Um, yeah, we're going to be uh, obviously commission uh, beer chamber every Thursday, but of interest to Orlando city fans, we will be doing the open cup match versus Philadelphia. We will be at broken strings before that. And I believe we're also doing the Dallas match at the end of this month. So, uh, you know, if you are going to those games, hit up broken strings before their beer is awesome. There's a bunch of cool people there and Cappies will be there. So it'll be fun. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, this weekend I will be at the, um, Orlando city fan TV, uh, watch party at, uh, tin roof at icon park. Um, it's $0 to, to be there. Um, it will be my birthday actually on Saturday. Would love for you guys to come hang out. There will be a live podcast afterwards. Um, that's what they're saying at least. Uh, and they've, they've invited me to be on it. So if you guys want to go, um, just for the afternoon, you get to watch the match, have some, some drinks. There's some deals by the looks of it. And then you can just kind of hang out afterwards for, for a live pod, uh, would absolutely love to see you guys out there, make a plan of it. Um, would love to meet you guys there. And with that, Adam, have a great rest of your night and week, and I'll talk to you soon. Vamos, Orlando. Vamos, Orlando. Biggest man in MLS comes up huge!